Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle Podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Reva. If we can uh, adjust this for my height. Can you hear me all? Yes. Okay, very good. My name is Reva, and I am a compulsive overeater. I'm going to thank you, Andrea, for inviting me to speak. Um, I'm going to pass my pictures around and um, just make sure I get them back to you. Thank you. I'm so grateful to be here tonight. Um, so, who's my timer? Jesse, will you give me 10, 10, and 10, please, for right now? And we'll go from there. Um, I'm going to qualify. I am a 100-pounder. I have about 103-pound um, weight loss that I have been maintaining now for five years and eight months. And I say 103 to be specific, because I have to be very specific when I work this program. I can't be vague. Um, my, my program depends on me being very clear about what I need to do, how I need to plan, what I need to eat, what foods I can eat, what foods I can't eat, and I need to be accountable. So that's very important to me. Um, I need my glasses here. Um, so I'm going to tell you what it used to be like for me. I'll give you a little background. Um, I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I came from, you know, kind of a mixed up household. Um, my father was a Holocaust survivor and very religious. And my, and he met my mom, and she kind of promised the world that she was going to be this, and she was going to be that. And they met each other after the war, and, you know, six weeks later, they were married. They didn't even know each other. My mother got pregnant immediately. They didn't, I mean, you know, they didn't even know each other. And they were very, on one hand, very ill-suited. They were complete 100% opposites. And on the other hand... They were very well suited because my father had a very unique quality to him in that he was very kind, he was very spiritual, he was very hopeful, he was very optimistic. And my mom was the absolute opposite. So he was there for her. And he supported her and loved her no matter how difficult she was. And she was very, very difficult. My mother was very obese when she was five years old obesity already kicked in. She had sexual abuse. She didn't have a father. She had a cruel stepbrother. So addiction was very much a part of my family. My mom's obesity ran until her death. Everyone in our family, aside from my father, were addicts. Um, my mother was a compulsive overeater and a professional gambler. 
My older brother was um, very bright. He was a medical doctor. However, he had a cocaine and alcohol addiction, and he died young due to the abuse of his body. My younger brother was murdered when he was 27 years old because he also had addiction problems in gambling, and he fell in with the wrong crowd, and he was murdered. My sister weighed 350 pounds, and she had the, the operation. She has lost about 100 pounds, but she's also gained a lot of the weight back, so, but she's not interested in this program. And I also have the addiction. And when you said earlier that this food is legit, this food is legit. This is an addiction, just like any other addiction. It's like heroin. It's like alcohol. It, 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 it will grab you, it will get you, and it will take you down. And it will stop you in your tracks of your life. I will say that's what it did to me. Um, so I grew up in Pittsburgh. Um, eating was um, very much a part of our life. Uh, you know, you know, every every culture says I was uh, uh, Italian and we ate. I was uh, Irish and we ate and drank. I was Latino and we ate and drank. I, you know, you name it. Well, we were Jewish and we ate and drank. Trust me, we didn't drink. No, no, sorry, the Jews don't drink supposedly, which, which is not true. But but we ate. My family did not drink. But food was everything. So also religion. Even though my father was very religious, because my mom was very much the dominant personality in the home, my father's voice was very silenced when it came to spirituality. So um, we didn't really get any of that, and the holidays were really about food. It was how much could you eat, could you pa- and if you passed out, this was a very good sign. But this was a good sign. So I... Um, the first time I really connected food with, like, comfort, I got burned when I was very young. When I was five years old, a match uh, jumped, fell on my pajamas, and I got burned, and I was in the hospital for six weeks, and then I had a year of um, um, recovery. But when I was in the hospital for six weeks, if you came to visit me, you had to bring me a, 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 chocolate, a, a chocolate milkshake. I don't like chocolate. I, I mean, I don't eat any of that now, but... I stopped liking chocolate. It turned to vanilla. But at that time, when I was five, you had to bring me a chocolate milkshake. So that was the first time I kind of connected um, food and comfort. I went to my first Weight Watchers meeting when I was in the third grade. Um, I really wasn't overweight, but my my mom and my sister and all the neighbors went. and, And, you know, that's when, you know, it was fun. You know, we had a good time. We made those buttermilk, I don't know if you're old enough to know, the buttermilk milkshakes with the Splenda and the frozen strawberries and then the tuna with the, with the, with the cottage cheese. And, you know, it was fun. But, you know, I wasn't really overweight. Food um, didn't really become an issue until I was about 18 years old. I mean, I always used food and I overate, but I didn't, and I was slightly overweight. I was a little chubby, not, but nothing nothing big. But I went away to Israel. I, I had a boyfriend, and he didn't like me, and I had to leave the country, right? You hear about, um, you, you got a hangnail, and you got to call 911. Well, I had to leave the country. I had to leave. 
So I went to Israel. I was there for a year, and I gained about 70 pounds. I came off the plane. Everybody said, what, ha- what happened to you? And that was the beginning. That was the beginning of the yo-yo cycle. I came home, and my mom had just um, finished Optifast. And for those of you who don't know what Optifast is, that's where you do not eat. You only have a liquid protein drink and water until you lose all your weight, and then they reintroduce you back into food. And my mom needed to do it because she had to have hip surgery, and she was over 100 pounds overweight. So I was 70 pounds overweight, and I did it too. And I got very, very thin, and right before, and, and then my, my sister was getting married, and I remember I just had gotten off the Optifast, and I remember sitting, it was the night before her wedding, I was sitting on the floor in the kitchen eating a, a, an entire block of Jarlsberg cheese. I couldn't shove that food down hard enough and fast enough. I, 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 that, that was the beginning of, of the yo-yo. Um, I did up to fast three times. I'm going to get into also all the things that I did to try to arrest this disease addiction. Um, so, I'm just going to look at my notes. So, I'm going to, yeah. So, th- this is when the cycle began. The cycle of eating, going on a diet, being depressed, um, seeking a solution, doing the solution, losing the weight, and gaining it literally, literally the second that I would lose it and get to my goal, bye, I'm going to start eating again. And I would go fast and furious. And the thing, the thing is, I was in a career, um, I was in the fashion industry, and um It was so embarrassing and humiliating because people would be stunned when they would see, like one minute I would be thin and I would spend all this money on clothes and get everything altered to a perfection. And then the next thing you know, three months later, I had ballooned way up again. And I I would give all those clothes away, by the way, the, the, the heavy clothes. And then I'd have to go out and buy them all over again and get them altered again because they didn't have petites then. So I'd have to buy these big sizes and the arms would be down to here and the pants would be down to here, but I had to alter them. So I spent a lot of money doing that. So I did all that until I was 47. I'm going to tell you just really quickly what all the things I did till I was about 47 years old. I went to OA at the first time in 1974. I went to Howe, which is another kind of uh, branch of OA. For those of you who don't know what it is, it's a little bit more of a disciplined program, or disciplined way of eating. Um, I went to FA, Food Addicts Anonymous. I went, to, and then I went to Weight Watchers too many times to count. If you look at my pictures, it's being held by a clip that said that I lost 90 pounds. I had lost 90 pounds through uh, Weight Watchers, and um, they asked me if I would be a leader. And, oh, my God, I thought this was, this was, this was it. Ten, okay. Uh, This was it. I was, I I, I couldn't believe my my luck, my good fortune. And um, that weekend when I went for the training, um, are you, 
Is there something? No, okay. That week when I went to the training, I binged my brains out that weekend. And that went up in smoke. And I never even got a chance to be a leader. Because I thought if I was a leader, then I would, I would, I, I got it. I got it. Because I, I had done Weight Watchers so many times, and this time I really did. I got down to my goal weight, and I knew I had to eat a certain way, but I couldn't. I couldn't. I just could not. Um... I went to the outpatient um, clinic of Raider Institute, and for those of you who don't know, that was kind of the beginning of these um, rehab uh, um, um, programs. I went to nutritionists, I went to behavior modification, intuitive eating, Cedar sinai I went to UCLA OCD um, clinic, I went to Optifast three times, pre-measured food, Pritikin three times, acupuncture, Jenny Craig, Nutrisystems, Tony Robbins, rabbis, Kabbalists, psychiatrists, drugs, tapping, greens, self-help books. I went to every spa. I went to the Valley Green Spa in Utah. I went to Esalen up in up, up north. I went to the Omega Institute in, in New York. I went to Miraval and, and, and the Canyon Ranch. I went everywhere, everywhere. I tried everything, and they all worked, by the way. Most of the time, um, and 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 more. So in 2003, my father passed away. It was September, and from September to December, I binged my brains out. It was like that's your your holiday, Christmas, Thanksgiving, uh, Halloween, and basically what I did was I ate cheese, bread, butter, sugar, and drink, and I gained about 50 pounds. And in December 21st, 2003, I was so low and so depressed, I I, I couldn't even, I felt like I couldn't get out of the bed. And I went back to OA. And I took some days off so I could put myself in my own little private rehab. And I ate really clean, and I went to meetings all day. And I even remember on Christmas Eve night, I went to an AA meeting by myself, because I had to be somewhere, because I didn't really celebrate Christmas, and um, and that began my abstinence. In February of 2004, I had been trying to adopt a child um, for about a year and a half prior to this time, and nothing ever really happened. I was going through a private um, uh, lawyer. And they had said that in two years, you're going to get matched. And so, and nothing ever happened. And I thought, wow, what's going on? And I never really pursued it because um, here was the other thing. I was going to these classes like how to become a a mom of an adopted child if you're single. And, you know, all these people in there would be raising hands that they were worried about... um, I'm not going to have enough money, or I'm not going to have a su- enough support. But I couldn't raise my hand, because my hand was, was about, like, how can I be there for, my, for a child when I'm an addict? When I do every sick thing known to mankind, I, I leave my house, I'll drive the city for hours, I get into car accidents. I don't give a crap about anybody. But I wanted a kid, but I was so broken from this illness this addiction. So anyways, in 2004, I'm finally abstinent. 
And um, I called the lawyer, and um, he said, I don't know if you know, but we switched. The guy who was the other lawyer, he had a brain tumor, and I'm the new guy, and I was just looking through your file, and we have a match. The next thing you know, fast forward, March, I'm, I'm matched with my, with my um, birth mother. And in June, I adopted my son at birth. And so for the next 12 years, what was it, 2004 to about 2013, I was abstinent. I did the very best I could. I um, had a sponsor. I went to meetings. I never left. But here's where the, the problem was. I had what I call... I didn't coin this word. My sponsor did. I was I, I had what I would call abstinish. I was abstinish. And what does that mean? It means, like, my abstinence at that time was I didn't eat frozen yogurt. Because frozen, if you guys know this side of town, I now live in the valley, but I used to live here. There was, there was the Bermuda Triangle, which was on the corner of Olympic and Westwood. And there were three yogurt places, and I would just go like this. And I would have the yogurt lined up and dripping in my car and the toppings, and the, they had the diet cookies at one of them. And Oh, and then I would just shove them. It was a lot of shoving going. I'm a shover. I'm a, I can't get it down fast enough. And then I would drive to the next place, which was closer to my house, so I could just make it home. I'd go one more, one more stop till I made it home, and then I would eat more. So, I, so my abstinence was that I didn't have frozen yogurt and I didn't have alcohol. But what would happen was a feeling would come up, or anything would come up, by the way. And I would, and here's what, here's my line. Out the, here's what took me out the gate. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna have this. It, 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 it's gonna be okay. I'm just gonna have this. And then the next thing you know, it was a binge. And I would binge on everything but frozen yogurt and wine, right? But I called myself abstinent. My sponsor at the time said, that's okay, honey. You're a compulsive overeater. I don't regret that. I don't regret one day of it. I don't regret my parents. I don't regret anything because this is all part of who I am. But now I know that... And she did the best she could, too. Nobody was doing me any favors by throwing a blanket down while I'm in the hole. So I moved from the valley, from the city to the valley, to be closer to my sister because my son was about eight years old then. And I really didn't have any family in the city. And my sister and I are very, very close, and she treats him like her own son. So we moved to the valley, and I'm telling you it was like, sticker shock for me. I, I can't explain it. And it's not that it was a valley. It was a move. I just, you know, it was a new new place and new this and new that. And I just, and now my little binges of everything but frozen yogurt and alcohol were coming more faster and furious. And now I'm gaining weight. Now I'm gaining a lot of weight. Now I'm about, I've gained about 30 pounds. And I'm scared. Because I am so, because I, I was too 205 last way before I started and I know where I can go I have it in, I have it in me I know myself there's no there's no problem right 
So I'm going to meetings and I'm just beside myself. I don't know what to do. And I called everybody who had what I wanted. What did they have? They had food neutrality. They were living life on life's terms. And that's what I wanted. I wanted that. I didn't even know about happy, joyous, and free. I just wanted to stop eating. And I, and I could see that these people that had what I wanted had that. And I would call them. And I had about 12, my 12 years of abstinence. And um, I would call her and, she, and I would say, and we, we would commit my abstinence. And, and then I said, well, you know, I, I, yeah, I, but, I, but I binged on this. She said, well, then I guess you broke your abstinence. I said, but I didn't. She goes, well, but you're compulsively overeating. Aren't we trying to not, isn't isn't this the goal, is to stop compulsively overeating? So I didn't want to, I didn't want to let go of those 12 years. Oh, no, I couldn't let go. Um, And I called one after the next, after the next. And they said, you know, call me when you're ready. Call me when you're and, 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 and it hurt. But you know what? They did me the best favor. So then, um, I do want to say one thing. I want to talk about the addiction a little bit. I think it's really important to tell you what this addiction did for me. This addiction, which all addictions, I believe, do the same thing, um, besides numbing us out, for me... I had very high anxiety. I had very high anxiety. My heart would race at night. I couldn't sleep. I I had terror. I was was terrified, terrified that I was going to go back. I was bewildered. I was shocked. Why? What is going on? I don't even understand why. I don't understand this. I know that... um, I have this problem, but I can't stop. Oh, I want to add one more thing. I also, when I came into into the rooms, I had I got that little book. It's called uh, for uh, for today, and I would write down all these amazing little sayings, right? And the one saying that I wrote down was, "Don't take that first compulsive bite, no matter what." I read it every day. No idea what it meant. Didn't even know what I was. It didn't. So. It's not that I'm, I, 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 I'm, I'm dumb or stupid. I just didn't get it. And that's the thing that we find in this program. We get things when we get it, and we can't force it before it's ready to happen. So, um, sorry, I took a little detour there. Um, the disease made me frustrated. I was confused. I had remorse, sleeplessness. I cried all the time. I binged. I was in pain, physical pain. I mean, my body would stretch out, and I would feel my body growing. I would be sad. I would be in shock. Shock. I mean, are you kidding? I, 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 I couldn't believe I did it. I went, I did a lot of dangerous things. I would, I left my son in the car unattended so I could go run and get food. I went to a park with my son, and I had a desire to binge, and I, I didn't do this one, but I was going to. I was going to tell a stranger, listen, I left the stove on in my house. I needed to go get a fix. 
I said, I can't pick, I can't pack up all this stuff because there's so much when you have a baby, you have a stroller, and you have this backpack, and you have this and that. I said, can you do, I was just, can you watch him for five minutes? I'll be right, and I was going to do a run. I didn't. I did actually call someone, and she, she, she took me down off the ledge, and I made it through that particular day. So it, it does work when you make an outreach call. But I did do a lot of bad things. I, I would sit in parking lots late at night. Now, I'm, I, I just want to tell you, I was um, assaulted in my home um, at night um, um, when I was 21 years old. You would think I would be frightened to sit in a parking lot late at night. It, 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 it was the one on Third um, Street. It, it was the Coldstone on Third Street. I forgot what it's called, the Beverly Connection. I didn't care if somebody came up to me and had a gun to my head. No, I didn't. This, that's why you see people who are addicts. That's why they lose their kids. That's why they're, they don't, they're homeless. That's why they, they, they're, they're dying on the streets, because this is what addiction does. So I can relate to that. I was embarrassed. I would be very hopeless. I had a lot of self-pity. A lot of self-pity. I was very, very, very immature. I'm still very immature in a lot of ways, but I'm, I'm, I'm getting better now. Um, and those are some of the things that addiction did for me. So anyway, to make a long story short, in 2013, was it? No, 2016. So I moved in the valley 2014. So for about two years, I pulled around, gained about 30 pounds, 40 pounds. I don't even remember now. And um, on Mother's Day, on a Sunday, I binged the whole day. And I had, here I am with my son. And I said, honey, you go sit with your friends. I know you want to sit with your I wanted to get the large popcorn and eat it as fast as I could because I, I don't know if you know, but you can get, you eat one and you get the next one free. And I managed to eat two large vats of popcorn in an hour and 48 minute movie. I shoved it down so hard my mouth was cut up so, what do I care? Then I ate some more and then I was, I, I couldn't even just, I, again, I just couldn't, I just didn't get it. And then I came home at night, and here's where the miracle happened. I made a call. I don't know. God graced me. God, God instructed me. I made a call, and that person took my call right then and there. She just picked up. And she said, okay, can you have an abstinent dinner? And I thought, after, on a Sunday night, after I binged, I, you know, aren't we going to start on Monday? No? Why are you asking me to do this now? Now? She said, no, no, we're going to do it now. And I did. And that is when I began my abstinence. It was May, Mother's Day, May, whatever it was, 2016. And so what's happened from there has been nothing short of a miracle. So I'm going to tell you the promises and I'm going to tell you that I also took um, something that's kind of, I would say it's sort of a movement in, in a way. It's called sober eating. And it's a way of approaching food in a different way. And that was really a turning point for me. And what that is is I um, identify my alcoholic foods. I commit my food the night before. 
and I stick to the food that I say that I'm going to eat. And if I'm going to change it, I check with someone. Because left to my own devices, I want everything. I, you know, I say I want a salad, but I don't feel like a salad. Or, you know, I just had lunch, but I, I'm, I feel hungry. Well, no, because that's the red flag. As soon as you, if you've eaten, you're not hungry. You have a feeling. So here are the promises that have happened for me since I have been in the program. I have food neutrality. I don't eat my alcoholic foods no matter what. Um, I under, here's, here's what did it for me. I understand I can't take that first compulsive bite. And guess what? I don't even want to right now for today. And that's why I want to remember the, the horror of what it was like. Because I don't want to go back there. Um, I, know, I know I won't die over a feeling. I used to think when I had that craving, that thought, I had, I had to eat. I don't have to eat now. Well, I don't even want to eat now. That's the miracle. But um, I know that I, I can get through it. And, and that's because we have tools and fellows and I'm, I'm learning discipline and and what I can do instead of eating and that's making a call praying writing uncovering discovering discarding and it's getting better and better um I also know that I won't die from breakfast to lunch lunch to dinner dinner to breakfast who knew um I do what it takes. I shop, I plan, I commit, I eat safe foods. I know my limits and my boundaries. I'm comfortable taking care of myself because I have to. Um, you know, I'm not that spontaneous when it comes to my food, but I don't really care. That's what I have to do to take care of myself. Thanksgiving is just Thursday. That's just the way it is. I, I, I don't, I, every day is just, it's okay. It's just another meal. It's just another day. It's not, I don't get my excitement from my food. Now, don't get me wrong. I love every meal and I eat it with gusto. I really do. I'm a compulsive overeater and I, I will continue to be to the day I die. But I can, I know how to like manage it now with God's help. I have God's grace and I know that now. I can help others and others help me. Um, I'm not depressed, sad, anxious. I'm none of those things anymore. I don't really have those feelings. Now, do I get angry? Do I? No, I, I shouldn't have said that. I do get sad. I do get hurt. I do, but it's not because of the food. All those emotions that I explained before were driven by the addiction. Now, I get them from life. From life. So, anyways, I'm going to wrap it up. I don't know how much more time do I have? Uh, about 10, 11 minutes. I have 11 minutes? Okay. Well, I'm going to just wrap it up. So now I have a 17-year-old son. And I have to tell you, this has been the hardest relationship. And really the only relationship. I've never been married. I've never lived with a man. And I really don't know how to be in a relationship. And I'm learning how to be in a relationship. I mean, my son, it's different, obviously, than a, a, a romantic relationship. But it doesn't matter. I'm learning how to be in a relationship with a person. 
And with my son in particular, I'm really learning how I go to my default thinking and um, I'm, I'm, I'm learning how to have different thoughts. And what's really important about that is I'm, I have to learn how to pause so I can go to those new thoughts. Um, so I'm working with a sponsor. Um, I, am, I have a parenting coach. I get outside help. I'm in group therapy. And I work this program to the best of my ability every single day. I have a sponsor. I have sponsees. I have service um, positions. Um, and, um, you know, during this pandemic, that's the last thing I want to share, is that um, it hasn't been awful for me. I'm lucky. I'm lucky. I know that. But I've also made myself useful. I haven't, I haven't, I figured out how to take care of myself so, and take care, and, and, and do things for others so I don't have to feel self-pity and, 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 and shrink. So, um, I hope that you guys got something out of this. Um, if you're new, keep coming back. We all learn as we learn. I, you know, I have sponsees at all stages of recovery. Some are brand new, and, and they're really having a tough time with the food. They don't get it yet. And you know what? I can have compassion for them because I was there. And then some are really uncovering, discovering, discarding. And it's, and it's so wonderful to see them blossom. And, um, and I have to change because if I don't change, I'll be a dry drunk. And life will be really miserable, and I'll have to go back to my food to, to, to check out. And I don't want to go there anymore. So thank you for letting me share. If we have time, which we do, and you want to do questions, I'm happy to do that. Thank you. Does anyone have any questions? Yes. Thank you so much. Um, specifically, uh, I know you talked about pausing, but specifically, how do you use the program and the steps to parent your son? Oh, that's such a hard question. Could you um, repeat the question, please? Um, specifically, how do I use the steps and the program to parent my son? Here's what I know. I'm human. And... I was very in control of him. I was a single mom, and I was just, you know, I, I wouldn't say I was a helicopter mom, but I was pretty on top of it. I'm pretty on top of things. And I got I to gotta let him find his way. And so I use the program by identifying when I feel emotional emotionally I'm, I'm reacting and I need to pause and I write and then I try to flip my thoughts what I do is I, I do I do something called like a thought dump like I'm making this up he uh, doesn't wake up every day as he says he's supposed to do because he's 17 years old and he's learning how he's le learning time management I used to wake him up but it's time for him to learn how to wake himself up because he's going to go away to college and I'm not going to be there right so I want to say he's my thought is oh 
he's so lazy. What's wrong with him? Why doesn't he do it? And then I flip it and just say, he's 17. He's going to be okay. He's going to learn the time management. He's not there yet. And that's the kind of thing I do. And then I'll call somebody and share it with them. And, um, And guess what? This is all day long. And it's not just with my son. It's with the world at large. <laughs> you know? I mean, I just it's just the way I am. I have a lot of default thinking. It's kind of, uh, it can be negative and critical. And I, that's just what I grew up with. And that's what I took on. It's in my DNA. I'm hardwired for it. But I do believe that I can change. So I hope that answered your question. I was in See uh, How. What I've been coming to OA meetings for like this is my third or fourth meeting. How does the food work? Like, what is this, the subscription or the plan or the? Um, so he, he, this person is saying that he went to see a how, and now he wants to understand how food works in OA. Is that correct? Yes. Well, as a sponsor, what I do is I try to help my sponsee. I mean, the whole idea is that we don't want to compulsively overeat, right? And we want to get to a normal body weight. Isn't, I mean, that's part of the, the food part. So what I do when I work with someone is I help them identify what their alcoholic foods are. And then we create a food plan to be able for them to be able to execute that. So we create a meal plan, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner. If you're someone that needs snacks, we give you snacks. And then, like I said, I really encourage my sponsees to commit their food the night before so that they can be prepared to have those foods that they need at their fingertips so they're not fumbling around and making decisions at the last minute, because I think that's where we get in trouble with spontaneous, impulsive, compulsive decisions. So, but food plans are very individualized. I have sponsees that drink, not alcoholically, but they'll have a glass of wine. I have sponsees that eat chips. I have sponsees that have french fries. I don't, but they do. It's not a trigger for them. So it's very important, I think, to identify what foods are triggering you. When you eat them, they set up the craving, and you can't stop. And then once we can't stop, I don't know about you, but it doesn't matter what I eat. I'll eat anything. It could be old, cold, stale, rotten. It doesn't matter. I just go, I got to, I got to, the craving is in me. Did that answer your question? Thank you. What what is the difference between being abstinent and now surrendering to Oh well I think pain God's grace willingness um, staying in the program um, and I think acting as if until it really got easier. Did that answer your question? Acting as a 
what? Acting, doing what I just said. Okay. Planning my food. Um, eating, not eating my alcoholic foods. Going to meetings. Calling my sponsor. Doing the step work. Going, you know, taking service positions. But the food is, I, for me, I really don't believe that I can recover when I'm in the food. Because I'm in the food. I'm in the cycle. So, I hope that answered your question. Do you have another question? Okay. Anyone else? Yes. How do you get through step four? How do you get through step four is you sit down and you start writing. And if it's really hard, what I really recommend is bookending. Have you ever heard that before? Bookending is when you have to do something really, really hard, you call somebody or you text someone. You say, I'm going to start this. I'm going to give myself 40 minutes. And I'm going to call you when I've done it. It's hard. Doing your force it. Nobody wants to do it. It's not fun. There's no fun involved. But it will set you, it will give you a degree of peace and freedom. And that's, isn't that what we want? I don't know about you. Going to a Broadway show now, going to Disneyland, meeting Bradley Cooper, okay? That doesn't really give me peace. Being able to put my head on the pillow at night and sleep, oh my God, it's heaven on the mode. So I know it's hard to, it's really hard to do a four step. But, you know, if we want to recover, we have to do some of these. It's hard to plan your food. It's hard to chop your food or cook your food or make your food or carry your food. It's hard to call. It's hard to make your bed. It's hard to take a shower sometimes. Anyways, but we do these things. So, anyways, I hope that helped. Thank you very much. Thank you.